This is Clutch Crew Sports. Hello and welcome to all. This is Zach here, back with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. On this podcast, we discuss topics ranging from NBA, NFL, college football and basketball, as well as daily fantasy and fantasy football advice. This podcast is featured on Anchor.com, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, and more. For updates about the show, visit our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages at Clutch Crew Sports. What's up, everybody? It's Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. Once again, continuing our NFL division talk, we've moved on from the NFC now going into the AFC. Uh, preseason starting back up now this week, so football's really getting getting close and each day closer to the start of the season, which we all are looking forward to, to talk about some real games and real events, whereas right now it's just predictions and stuff. But I'm joined today by Connor and Nathan, so... I'm back, baby! <laughs> <laughs> yep, Connor's uh, been absent in the past couple podcasts, but he is back. Eric's uh, taking this one off because we don't want four four voices on this one. We did that for NFC North, but it got to be pretty long, so we figured we'd stick with three people in this. And uh, since I'm in everyone, since I've started up this thing, I'm I'm here. And then Nate is a Patriots fan, so of course he wants to be in this episode. And oh yeah, and then Connor's second or third favorite team is the Bills. Well, so my, my dad is a huge Bills fan, so he's a <laughs> diehard Buffalo Bills fan, born and raised in Rochester, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we, we've got some different opinions for those teams represented here, but uh, in, before we start this, though, this is probably the least interesting, I think, of all the divisions uh, in football, and it's been that way for the past decade with uh, really no, <laughs> no changes in first place. I mean, second through fourth the past couple of years has been quite a quite a roller coaster, but yeah. as far as first place goes... <laughs> Aside from 2008, when the Dolphins managed to win yeah. that year. Yeah. yeah. If it wasn't for that, I mean, it probably, probably still is got like a longest streak for their division winning but if they had if, if they had Brady for 2008 it would for sure well, <laughs> well the funny thing about that year too is that they were actually tied like they had the same record as the, oh, Dolphins. Yeah. the Dolphins just had them beat on like a conference record I think so even that year they almost won the division yeah <laughs> with Matt Castle <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh but but yeah so for you guys listening on uh on iTunes and such, our rankings for the AFC East. Uh, so Zach, Nathan, and Eric all have the same order. Patriots first, Jets second, Bills third, Dolphins fourth. Connor's got the Patriots first, Bills second, Jets third, Dolphins fourth. So some similarities between the two. Really, it's just between the Jets and Bills that is the only sort of debate. I know you guys think that's favoritism, but it's not. I'll explain. <laughs> yeah, I asked Connor before this. Was that a loyalty pick or uh, a reason pick? And he said he's got some points, so I'm curious to see. But when I was just going through the projected depth charts and stuff, I, I well, I'm not the biggest Jets fan, as we'll get to them. I still think that they'll finish second. But 
let's uh, let's get this rolling and let's talk about the Bills first. So, Connor, go ahead and introduce the Bills. Yeah, Buffalo Bills, the uh, ever-suffering fan base of the NFL. Um, so, yeah, this this should be an interesting year for the Buffalo Bills. They a lot of struggles last year, a lot of quarterback issues last year. You know, they drafted Josh Allen for him to be the guy, but then they he went and got injured, and they had to bring in Matt Barkley as backup. He actually played fairly decently in the two games. I think it was two games he played in last year. And then they had that stint where they had to call in Derek Anderson, who was currently at the time training for a golf tournament. So <laughs> <laughs> so we all saw how that went, you know. Uh, that game against the Patriots when the Bills were actually holding their own. They were actually keeping the Patriots in check, but they just could not make any offense at all thanks to uh, Derek Anderson. So, But pretty much this this is actually a team that's quite different this year, at least on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Josh Allen's still supposed to be the guy. And, I, I you know, I know he got a lot of coaching from Derek Anderson last year, but obviously – if you look at their depth chart, there's no veteran quarterback on the team anymore. I think Derek Anderson is still going to hang around like in a bit of a coaching role. Mm. But in terms of depth on the team, you know, him, Matt Barkley, and a rookie, Tyree Jackson. So there's no veteran leadership at the quarterback position, which could hurt them. Now, running back position is really interesting. They brought in Frank Gore in the offseason, which, you know, he's... So he's kind of like Adrian Peterson in the way he seems to be an ageless wonder. I mean, I don't know how the guy's still doing it at age 36 or whatever, but I've, I've heard clips from and seen clips of him at training camp and he looks good. So, and I think it can really help the bills with LaShawn McCoy, which I'm actually honestly pretty surprised they brought LaShawn McCoy back. I'm not sure if they're thinking about trading him. I think I've heard some rumors that they might be trying to trade him because He's taking money, you know, he's got a big contract, and he had a really terrible year last year. I think he had 500 yards rushing, like like 580 or something, which is by far his worst year. But all these people out there saying, he, I don't think LaShawn McCoy is washed up yet. I think their main issue was offensive line last year, which is the reason why I'll get to this a little bit later with Le'Veon Bell as well. But LaShawn McCoy is one of those running backs that, needs an offensive line, whereas Frank Gore is the kind of running back that, you know, even without the offensive line, he's going to make a hole. He's going to hard-nosed up the middle. He's going to run over somebody and get a couple yards. LaShawn McCoy, as a shifty, shady nickname right there, um, <laughs> as a shifty <laughs> back, he needs, he needs a hole to open. If you can open a hole for him, then he's incredible in the open field. But if you can't open a hole, then he's going nowhere. He's just going to get tackled in the backfield or, you know, whatever like that. And LaShawn McCoy, the other thing he brings to the table, people didn't really talk about this last year, but LaShawn McCoy is honestly probably one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league. Obviously, there's ones that are better, like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Le'Veon Bell. But McCoy is definitely up there in multi-purpose backs. <clears throat> so he can play on third down, which... I'll be interested to see how much they use him on third down, considering they brought in TJ Yeldon from Jacksonville. Zach knows a lot about him. Yeah. <laughs> who he's he's a pretty he's much a, a third He's down. a pass catcher too. Right, Let's he's see. a third down back. Yeah. Um but the Bills, they did a lot this season to shore up their offensive line. They brought in uh, Mitch Morse, who is one of the 
from what I've heard, he he was the center in KC, so he's had he's a really good center. But unfortunately for him and the Bills, he's been having a lot of concussion problems lately. And I think he just he's in the concussion protocol right now, and it's like his fourth concussion. So despite him being a really good center, I don't know what's going to happen with that. But they brought in a lot of new pieces on the offensive line to shore up that. They brought in John Brown and Cole Beasley at the wide receiver position to help Zay Jones, who still has a bit of issues with trying to catch and hold on to the ball. But I think he'll be okay. So the offense, it's going to be... It's going to be a work in progress. It's not going to be great. It's not going to light the world on fire. But I think it will be serviceable, especially if Josh Allen can really start to – if he can develop as a passer. Because we saw last year he was a great rusher. I mean, he was the Bills' leading rusher last year. So he can certainly run the ball, kind of like Tyrod Taylor did. But he needs to develop as a pass thrower. If he can do that, then I think the offense is serviceable enough that they can work with that. But – when you're talking about the Buffalo Bills, you're talking about the strength of the team. You're talking about the defense. Now, the Bills, they had the number two defense last year and the number one defense against the pass last year. So this is by far the strength of the team. The front seven, the defensive line is decent. They brought in, they drafted Ed Oliver, who I've heard has really been meshing well with the team. And they still got Shaq Lawson down there. I see they have him listed as a backup this year. This is going to be a real prove it year for Shaq Lawson because they've had him for three seasons now one of those he was injured and he was supposed to be the next big thing when he came out of Clemson but he really hasn't proved it so this is going to be a prove it year for him Jerry Hughes a great pass rusher but and then you got the linebacking core Lorenzo Alexander still getting it done he's in his mid-30s surprised that he's still as good as he is Tremaine Edmonds who is I think he just turned 20 actually so very young to be running the offense, but he's a beast as well. Defense, but as I mentioned, man. right. But as I mentioned, you know, the Bills had the number one defense against the pass last year. Tredavious White and Micah Hyde are outstanding DBs. Jordan Poye and Kevin Johnson are good too. They're, they're not superstars, but, you know, they can get it done. They can pair well with them. So I think the reason why I think they're going to be second this year ahead of the Jets is because the defense is still going to be Good. I don't know if they'll be the number two defense again, but I'd say they're t- they're going to be a top ten defense for sure. And I think with the improvements on the offensive line and bringing in more wide receivers to help Josh Allen, I think the offense is going to be serviceable enough to where that they can get over get into second place. I I don't think they'll challenge for the division crown at all, but I think they can get to second. If I have to, I'd probably give them a ceiling of probably nine wins and missing the playoffs. I think if they really want to make the playoffs this year, they're kind of like with all the teams in this division, really, they're going to have to beat New England at least once. I mean, Tom Brady, the most he's beaten New England, what, 30, or he's beaten Buffalo 33 times now or something like that. I think the Bills have <laughs> only like ever that. beaten the Patriots like three times since Brady's been there. So they need to beat New England if they want to have any chance of making the playoffs. They, won't, they still won't challenge for the division crown, even if they beat New England. But if they want to try and make the playoffs, get that wild card spot, they need to beat New England. And their best chance is going to be in week four. They have the home game against New England in week four. And we know New England gets off to a slow start usually. So that they're going to have to take advantage of that uh, game if they really want a, a chance. So ceiling, nine wins. 
missing the playoffs. I, like I said, I don't think they can get to 10 wins and get that wild card spot. Floor, I'd say they probably have a floor of third place, maybe like six wins. If the offense can't keep it together, if the offense performs like they did last year, I don't think they're going to be as bad as Miami, but six wins, third place, you know. My dad always likes to joke about Buffalo, how, you know, they're never good enough to make the playoffs, but they're never bad enough to get a high draft pick. <laughs> and yeah. I think that I think that's going to be the case again this year, unfortunately for him. So, but I'll let you guys give your thoughts on why you think Buffalo is going to make third instead of second. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'll go ahead. So I, I had a tough time uh, thinking this one through. This didn't come to me just by, you know, some of the other ones I just kind of went off my gut feelings and stuff. This one I really had to look deep at between the Jets and Bills, and I definitely think it's going to be a close finish for that second place spot. I would guess right now it'd be a one or two game difference between the two records for between the Bills and Jets but the main reason why I still don't have much confidence is that uh, this offensive line's not that great that they definitely got better like you said with the center spot and then Quinton Spain is a good left guard too but the tackles are really young Cody Ford and Deion Dawkins which you know that's asking a lot to protect uh, to protect Bra- uh, not Brady uh, Josh Allen. Yeah, and then another thing too is I don't really see a tight end threat on this team. Uh, they've got a rookie Dawson Knox and Tyler Croft who's injured right now, but there's no real tight end threat on this list of on their roster here that I can see. Jason Kroon down there, he's a veteran, but um, and then the running backs room is going to be really weird, and this is one of the weirdest back like backfields in, in the game right now because they've got Shady McCoy, Frank Gore, Devin Singletary, and T.J. Yeldon. Uh, I think they definitely got to get rid of McCoy because not only has uh, his production kind of waned last year, but he seems to not be a great influence on the team from what I've heard. I don't think he's the best leader necessarily. Uh, I think, so I think Gore would be a much better mentor to Devin Singletary, the rookie from uh, FAU. And then Yolen is probably going to be their third down back mainly as a pass catcher. That's mainly what he was used for in Jacksonville. And when you've got, you know, no real wide receiver threats. Uh, you know, if if Antonio Brown went to Buffalo, I'd, I'd have picked him <laughs> second. <laughs> he, he shut that down really fast. Yeah. I remember that. They yeah, were, yeah. That... They, were just, they, they actually had a trade in place, I think, with mm-hmm. Buffalo. And then Antonio Brown found out, and he was like, no, I'm not going to Buffalo. <laughs> uh, but, but um, so with a young quarterback like Allen, he's going to be looking to dump the ball off to – and Yeldon's going to get stats. It's going to be an interesting fantasy pick because Yeldon every year seems to go undrafted or picked up in the later rounds. But pretty much every year somebody picks him up a couple weeks into the season, just for and mainly it's for his, you know, pass catching. He doesn't get a whole lot of carries, but 
Uh, Singletary is a, a promising back. I know he was a bruiser at FAU, and but I think they really need to to get rid of McCoy just yeah, to get something for him. You just get yeah. something for him now. You know, it's like, too and, late before you mm-hmm. take anything for him. And then the wide receiver core is another reason why I don't have Buffalo or why I have Buffalo third because I'm not really a fan of any of these guys. Uh, Zay Jones has been in the league a, a couple years now. I think he was hurt maybe his first year, but uh, not a whole lot of confidence in him. Cole Beasley got a pretty big deal from Dallas, but he's a slot receiver average, I'd say. And then John Brown is all right, but as a number one guy, there's not a whole lot of weapons for Josh Allen to throw to, which means I think he's going to run the ball a lot, and that could be problems for injuries um, for him. At least he's a big guy. He's big. He's yeah. big, and he he's a great runner. I'll give him that. Like, but offensively, this team, I don't think they're going to put a whole lot of points up. And then defensively, their secondary is really good, but but their front four, I'm uh, not got a ton of confidence in. Uh, Ed Oliver is going to be a player to watch for sure, but not. A, I don't see this front four putting up a, a huge sack season. Uh, but the secondary is good, like Connor said, with Micah Hyde and Tredavious White. And then the linebackers are serviceable. But So this team is not as bad, I think, as you might think. But I'll give a ceiling of like eight wins, second place, and then a floor of five wins in third place. Like, I don't think they're going to – I don't think they're going to stoop down to the Dolphins level. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not that bad. <laughs> yeah. So that that's kind of my thoughts on the Bills. So they're not going to get like a, a super high pick. You know, like you said, I always felt that way about the Orlando Magic. You know, they they never could make the playoffs, but they were never, you know, a, a top three worst team to get that that number one pick. So they, end up, they always ended up picking like five or six. But it's all about making your draft picks and – this team offensively has not had a whole lot of success drafting, but I'll let, uh, I'll let Nate give his thoughts. I'm kind of on the same page as Zach here. Um, I think the Bills are not as bad as a lot of people think they are. Um, I definitely think this defense is pretty underrated. I like the Ed Oliver pick a lot. Um, I think uh, Tremaine Edmonds, and Matt Milano can definitely get it done at the linebacker level. I think they're um, both had pretty slept on seasons last year. And obviously, like you've all said, that secondary is really good. It's just, I think the one thing that's going to hold them back is their offense, which kind of like we talked about, there's not a whole lot of wide receiving talent, which I think other than that, they have some serviceable pieces. It's just, like Zach was saying, I don't recognize any of these tight ends. Um, I think I've heard of Tyler Croft, but he's hurt. So obviously that's not a great situation to be in. And I think these wide receivers is kind of underwhelming to me. They've all been in the league for a little bit, and they haven't really done much of anything. Um, I am really interested to see this running back situation. I know we've talked about it a lot, but obviously LaShawn McCoy is a superstar here. But like Zach was saying, I think he's getting kind of – he's at the point where I could see him having a, a down year this year stats-wise. 
And at this point, I don't know if it wouldn't be you wouldn't be better off seeing what your other guys have, you know, in terms of I'm really excited to watch Devin Singletary and see what he can do. Um, I think a lot of people uh, didn't follow him in college because he played at FAU, kind of smaller school in Conference USA, but he put up uh, 54 touchdowns total over his um, junior and senior years combined once he got the starting job. So the talent's definitely there. I've watched him live. He's... um, strong and fat really fast for his size so i'd i'd like to see him get um some carries this year and see what he has you know if he can continue having that success in the nfl so um but overall i just don't think this offense as a complete unit is going to be good enough to take this team you know to compete for the division or even compete for a wild card spot um so i think Doing the ceiling and floor uh, kind of part of it. I think their ceiling uh, could be eight or nine wins. Um, I went back and forth between them and the Jets as my second and third teams. I think the Jets have a little bit more talent on paper, at least. So that's why I picked them to finish second. But I could easily see the Bills um, finishing second instead. And then floor-wise, um, I could see them you know, at four wins, too, but I don't see them it's hard for me to see them doing worse than the Dolphins this year you know barring any injuries to like Josh Allen or uh Tredavious White or someone important like that yeah so now we'll talk about the Dolphins next year the the team that we kind of said oh we don't think they're going to go down be as bad as the Dolphins and this Dolphins team is pretty bad, let me just tell you. Bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yeah, they, they're going to be really... competing for a, a top draft pick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The tank for Tua thing. They they seem oh. to be linked to Tua That's a already lot, been, more than anything. I saw that hashtag yeah. uh, last year with him and uh, <laughs> Dolphins jersey edited on. Yeah, that's, it's been a long time coming, and if they get that number one pick, I'm sure they're going to they're gonna take Tua. But At least a quarterback. Yeah. So, and well, here, that's the weird thing. Their quarterback room is so weird because they've got Fitzpatrick and Rosen right now. And that's, I'd say, probably the only true battle in the NFL for the starting quarterback spot. I could be wrong, but. Well, except for, I think maybe uh, Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins could be one, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, um. But yeah, not very many besides yeah, those not, two. Yeah, not many this year. Uh, so, my. You know, Fitzpatrick is such an interesting guy because people write him off, but last year with Tampa, he he started out the season so well, and I think they were Tampa was just so quick to pull the plug on him and put Winston back in after one like he didn't even have that bad of a game in the Pittsburgh game, but well, you almost let a comeback in that game yeah, too. Yeah, I was getting really nervous watching that. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, he's actually like playing good now. <laughs> But like I think they just gave up on they they wanted Winston to play so they they really kind of waited for any sort of slacking ability. Whereas with the Dolphins, they don't have a whole lot invested in Rosen because they didn't pick him with the number one pick. They just traded a third round pick, I believe, for him. So they don't have you know a whole lot invested in Rosen, and plus they're planning on Tua next year. So Rosen is really going to have to impress them 
And from what they've said in training camps, I don't think he's, you know, the fact that there's still a battle going on is bad signs for him as a Dolphin because uh, if he was if he was right now like the clear-cut number one guy, I would say, okay, there's there's a chance, you know, if he for sure wins the job, there's no debate there, then he might surprise people and, and play well enough for them to value him as their franchise quarterback, but... I just feel like they're not going to, you know, they, they'll play him. I'm, I'm sure he'll get some starts, but he's going to have to really, really impress for them to to stick with him as their future because, you know, they. I think they held on to Tannehill a little bit too long. Uh, and I wasn't a fan of the Tannehill pick when they picked him too because he wasn't really a true quarterback. He played like tight end and stuff, and it seems like, these players that come from different positions. I know Blake Bortles was like a linebacker too in uh, high school. These players that move positions to quarterback, you know, they don't seem to do that great. If they go from quarterback to another position, I can kind of see that. But when you don't grow up playing the position your whole time, and I mean, that's, I'll stop talking. This is kind of like the old Dolphins. But uh, so I think they're going to be, I think the whole Dolphins fan base is really uh, set on Tua. So that Rosen's going into another kind of bad situation because he came from Arizona where after they got the number one pick and got Cliff Kingsbury as their coach, you know, he was kind of forced his way out, you know, pretty early into his career. I think that's going to be the same case here. But Devontae Parker is their uh, – or. Kenny Stills, their their wide receivers are okay. Um, probably actually the bright spot on this team. And then their offensive line is very bad. <laughs> you know, Laramie Tunsil is uh, is solid left tackle, but the other guys, I mean, you could completely scrap that. I think you know, like Jordan, Jordan Mills was part of that failing Buffalo offensive line last year. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, God, man, it's <laughs> you can scrap that. Other than Tunsil, you can really scrap that whole offensive line. Well, I guess Michael Dieter's a rookie, so we'll have to wait and see about him. But uh, and then defend, and then running. Oh, let me get to running back wise. I saw a question or something on Twitter a little while ago about for fantasy Drake or Balage. Who would you go with? And I think I would go with Drake between the two of them, but. It's no clear-cut number one guy, and honestly, neither of them are going to light up your world. Uh, so not a whole lot of great running back support for the team. And then defensively, they're pretty bad. <laughs> Just looking <laughs> at these. Uh, but, you know, they have the money because they gave Xavier Howard a huge deal. He's the highest-paid corner right now, which I don't know if he deserves to be the highest-paid, but he's certainly a top five corner right now and he's he's young so that's a bright spot for him like their I thought their wide receivers were a bright spot but the defensive line Christian Wilkins a guy to watch but linebackers are pretty poor uh their other their secondary is eh but he's uh in Minka Fitzpatrick too I don't know why he's not listed as the starter there that seems weird 
this website had some questionable things before, but that's another weird one. Because <laughs> he was actually okay for he was pretty good for him last year. I'm not sure why he's not the starter there, but you know this team is just already when you start out the season projected to finish like dead last, like they they have been. There's really you know it's really hard to overcome that and and stuff. I can see someone like the Bills who are you know, not dead last or anything, but kind of in that bottom tier, rising up to be like an average team. But when you're rated dead last, I mean, that puts a drag on your team. This team doesn't think they're going to do well. They're probably not. New head coach. It's just not going to be a good season for Miami. I'm surprised that they won as many games as they did last year because they also had a pretty bad team. But... I I'm gonna give a ceiling and floor. Ceiling five wins, floor two wins. I think they're in that two to five win category. Uh, I'll settle on three wins. <laughs> I think they're <laughs> the worst team. Uh, so sorry, Dolphins fans, but I I would be shocked. This is this would be the team I'd be most shocked about uh, reaching 500. So. Let you guys go ahead. Um, I don't want to pile on the Dolphins, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is definitely I could definitely see them being the worst team in the NFL and getting that uh, number one pick next year or next uh, next spring. Um, kind of like what Zach was saying, uh, their offensive talent is it's it's not great, but it's. You know, it's not awful either. You know, some of these guys have um, performed at various points in their careers, but it just goes back to that O-line. Um, Larry Tunstall has been solid since he came in the league. Obviously, we don't know how good Michael Dieter is going to be because he was a draft pick this year, but the rest of the line just does not inspire any confidence that they'll be able to uh, open up anything for the passing game or the running game. And that's really where it all starts, the O-line. If they can't, you know provide the Dolphins don't have anyone that's talented enough to create on their own they don't have a if they had a pro bowl running back back there in the end maybe they could at least be competitive on offense but I don't see Kalen Balazs or Kenyon Drake getting it done you know with the O-line not opening up holes for him and you know there's some they have uh, some solid wide receivers Albert Wilson Kenny Stills Monte Parker have been pretty good throughout their career you know, they're really serviceable, and, um, you know, if Mike Gesicki can become the tight end that people thought he was going to be, or, you know, uh, he was hyped up as the best tight end coming out of college last year. We'll see if he can produce. But um, it all comes back to that O-line just scares me. And plus, I mean, I like Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he's been a fun guy to watch. Uh, his career, you never know what kind of game he's going to turn in. You know, but I think if he's, I think uh, the situation they're in right now where he's playing, you know, clearly better than Josh Rosen so far in training camp, I think that's not a situation you want to be in if you're the Dolphins. <laughs> you know, he's kind of a guy that you brought in to, um, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, get them through this year. And not that they have a lot uh, invested in Josh Rosen, like you are saying, it's only a third-round trick, they pick, third-round pick they traded for him. You know, it's not ideal when he can't, you know, at least show in training camp throwing on, you know, seven on sevens that 
he's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's been on, you know, I don't know, 10 teams in 10 years or something like that. Well, let me check that. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Exactly <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Like exaggeration. No, I, I do want to just see what his uh, – what see, Buffalo, the Rams, the Bengals. Bills, yeah, I got, Titans, got, got those Texans. three. Okay, so he started with, he, I'll go in order, the Rams, Bengals, Bills, Titans, Texans, Jets, Bucks, Dolphins. <laughs> so eight in 14 <laughs> never stays years, at so. a place more than, his longest stint was in Buffalo for three years. That's the longest, but mostly it's just yeah. been one year, one year at each team. <laughs> he just goes from team to team. Kind of like Sam Bradford. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's all over the league. I think he finally retired. Actually, though, I want to Bradford. I thought he was retired for a little bit, and then oh, Sam Bradford. Yeah, Sam Bradford. Yeah, I think he's retired. Retired in honor of Hall of Fame. Okay, I was I was, was gonna say over. retired in the Hall of Fame. What? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Okay, Maybe Oklahoma's okay. Hall of Fame, but. He's an unsigned free agent right now. Who knows what's going to be? Yeah. Hey man, he's been he's been racking in that cash on those one year deals. Oh, so yeah, he's yeah. Just financially set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, back, back to the Dolphins here. Yeah, back to the Dolphins. Um, so yeah, that's, you know the quarterback situation's not um, an enviable one to be in, to say the least. And I won't say too much about their defense. But that's not, you know, I don't really, there's not really anyone besides maybe Christian Wilkins. We'll see if he can produce his rookie year. And I do think Xavier Howard earned that contract they gave him. I think he's um, been a little bit underrated just because of how bad the Dolphins have been. He doesn't get as much hype as, you know, Ramsey and some of these other guys. But I think I think he's, you know, a great piece to have out there at cornerback. But other than him and Wilkins and maybe... You know, if Kiko, Kiko Alonso can keep being a serviceable starter, um, I don't think this defense has a whole lot of talent either. So I think it's going to be a long year for uh, Dolphins fans, unfortunately. Um, the ceiling would be, I guess I'm going to go with, I'll go with Zach on this one with five five wins and floor probably at two um, with the number one pick in the draft after being the worst team in the league. So it's kind of where I'm at with the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> these guys hit on it. The Dolphins are going to be one of the worst, if not the worst, teams in the league this year. <clears throat> I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's one of those – Nathan mentioned this, that, you know, he surprises people. He can have these really good games out of nowhere. I mean, one of those three wins that the Bills have had over the Patriots here since Brady was there, one of those, Ryan Fitzpatrick was that quarterback, and he led a huge comeback in the second half, so – who knows which Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to show up. Uh, I'm with Zach that I don't think Josh Rosen will be here longer than a year. If he is, then he's just going to be a backup because, I mean, the, yeah, they didn't, they didn't bring him in to be the guy. So, but I mean, I, I, I'll, like Zach said, I'll, I see him playing a few games this year if Fitzpatrick turns back into the old Fitzpatrick because, you know, he has these games where he'll – completely light the world on fire and throw for like five touchdowns, but then mm-hmm. the next week he'll throw six picks. So <laughs> like I think the most fantasy points I've ever gotten out of a defense was when I had the Kansas city chiefs defense going against the jets and Fitzpatrick <laughs> oh, yeah. threw six interceptions against them. And the chiefs <laughs> defense got like 35 points for me that week. 
I so, remember that. Yeah. Zach remembers that week because it's the largest loss I've ever handed him in fantasy football. <laughs> oh, it was um, bad. It was bad. It wasn't. It was like one ninety to like seventy something or something. Like my, my team. It was, was like brutal. It was really bad because Connor had like his best week he's ever had. Best I had like week four players over thirty points. And then I also had a really bad week too. So the combination of those two things, it wasn't like. It wasn't even like, oh, I had like the second or third highest for the week. Like I just got screwed because I had to play Connor. Like it was a true like biggest blowout thing, or, or the what's that medal that they give? Like yeah, the, the biggest blowout. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> blowout yeah he, he earned that for sure. That that'll never be beat, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Um, but yeah, so I'm really interested to see how Kenyon Drake does this year because I remember towards the end of last year he really started to. People were like, oh, you know, Kenyon Drake's good, blah, 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 blah. He's going to be a lot better. But, I mean, the fact that he's not even listed as the starter here kind of shows that he's how inconsistent he is. I mean, kind of like Fitz, Fitzpatrick. Kind of like this whole offense, really. It's just inconsistent. I feel like if they can – there could be weeks where if they can put it together, I think this offense could actually be kind of dangerous. But I just don't see all the pieces coming together that often. Maybe like one or two games this year. And like you guys talk about how, how garbage the offensive line is outside of Laramie Tunsil. And yeah, and the defense too. I mean, aside from Xavier and Howard, Rashad Jones I think is a little bit of a underrated safety. But he's still not you know anywhere near the level that he should be playing at. And Christian Wilkins is unknown. Kiko Alonso has been okay. I mean, he had that sensational rookie year in Buffalo and then just been, then he got injured or whatever, and then he's been average since then. So I'm probably going to go with the same ceiling and floor as you guys a five win ceiling, which would probably still be fourth place, and then probably a two win floor. I could even see them going, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me if they went 0 16, honestly. <laughs> So I don't think it'll happen, but it, if it does happen, it wouldn't shock me. It'll be the if it does, it'll be the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I, yeah, Saquon will keep the Giants from doing that, but I don't think the Dolphins have anybody to do that. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, I picked the Giants to finish third, but with all these injuries and stuff that have been going on, if I could go back and change it, I would change my pick to them finishing last. Yeah, <laughs> but you might, yeah, you might change your other. <laughs> two picks too we'll get to zeke later in the show yeah yeah you might also consider doing that (laughs) (laughs) yeah miami yeah they're bad (laughs) all right nate so moving on to the patriots you're a patriots fan (laughs) yeah so i mean this obviously is a pretty basic pick i've got them first like we all do um mainly just because I think they they've really done a great job this off this off season of reloading after their uh, title team they had last year. I know a lot of people are worried. Um, they don't think they're going to be as good this year because you know obviously Gronk retired. Uh, we lost um, Trey Flowers in free agency the, to the um, Detroit Lions, which is the big big loss for our, our pass rush, and then um, we lost our left tackle Trent Brown to the Raiders or yeah, the Raiders on that huge contract, which he was a big, um, big part in us winning that Super Bowl last year. Um, just because of the way he locked down the left side of the O line and kept Brady, um, protected. But I, all in all, I think they've done a good job of, 
um, filling those huge holes um, on offense and defense, and I think improving at a few positions. Um, obviously, Tom Brady's still going strong. There's every year we get the uh, the takes that you know this is the year he's finally gonna be bad. He's finally gonna fall off the cliff. You know he's 42 years old, but um, kind of like I said um, in the last uh, episode about Drew Brees, you know, I'll believe he's going to be bad when I finally see him go out there and, you know, play multiple bad games in a row, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I believe in him until he's physically going to show that he's not there anymore. So as long as I think the biggest thing for the Pats is just continuing to surround him with weapons offensively, which I do think, um, they've done this off season. Uh, I like their, Oh, are we? Oh, sorry. Okay. No, I, don't know if you're I got the list here. Or... You're talking about their weapons, so I wanted to move back okay. and make sure you got your facts right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So the wide receivers still got Edelman, who's Brady's favorite target. He's always great to have. But I'm really excited about um the addition of Nikhil Harry in the draft. Um, he's I think he's a big time maybe a big time wide receiver out of Arizona State. He's he's six three. And he can go up and get those jump balls on the outside, which I, it's something that the Pats haven't had um, in a while. Um, I'm trying to think the last time they've had someone like that. Like Randy Moss. Yeah, that's, that's really who I'm going back to. I know um, uh, Brandon LaFell was probably the biggest wide receiver Braves had since then. And obviously he's, you know, not been an NFL star or anything like that. So I, I think Nikhil Harry is going to give them something offensively that they haven't had for a while. Um, so he's a big weapon for Brady. You bring back uh, Philip Dorsett, who was a solid contributor last year. And if Demarius Thomas can um, get healthy and even be kind of, um, you know, de- decent, not even all the way back to his Pro Bowl level, but just contribute, he's another bigger receiver out wide that could help a lot this year. Um, so I think they're the wide receivers are in position to kind of make up for the uh, lost targets, um, you know, the the uh, lost production from Gronk retiring. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a question here from Ron Agers about the Patriots. Shout he out. says, <laughs> yep, yep. His, his Twitter at is uh, sport world order, all caps. Uh, but <laughs> his question is, will the AFC East be locked by the Patriots by week 10? So this is by week 10, played nine games, some teams eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much halfway through the season. Uh, my personal answer to this is, you know, in all of our heads, it's going to be a lock. But mathematically, it definitely won't be a lock just because the Patriots, I'll give them a couple losses this year, you know probably four losses or so, but most of them will be in the early weeks. So, you know, halfway through the season, they might be sitting at like five and three or something like that. And in no, in no division or no world at all is five and three, a lock to win the division. (laughs) So (laughs) that's, uh, that's kind of my take on it, but in all of our minds, they're going to be the lock because they're already the lock going into the predictions. I don't think anybody's, you know, the betting, as far as, like, the Vegas odds, I'd be shocked if 
if there's any division favorite more than the Patriots to win their division. I mean, they're the conference favorite, Super Bowl favorite too. So, uh, so that's my that's my take on it. You guys can go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just too early for really anybody. I mean, if you had said something like, "Well, they have it locked up by week 14 or something," then yeah, mm-hmm. maybe I'd say yes. But week 10 is just too early. I mean, like Zach said, in our heads, unless something unforeseen happens, you know, in our heads, it'll be, oh, yeah, New England's already got this locked up. We don't there's no competition here. But, you know, like you said, mathematically and how you also talk about how the Patriots are notoriously slow starters. They peak at the right time. You know, they peak later in the season and in the playoffs when they need to. So you're right. They might be going into week 10 with like a five and three or a six and two record or something like that. So I I highly doubt that they'll have it locked up by then. I mean, if they do, then it wouldn't surprise me, honestly. But it's just it won't happen. It's too early. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page here. I think for sure, obviously, they're going to win the division. But um, as mathematically is too early for anyone to, I think, clinch a division. So... Just looking at this team here, I've got a question for Nathan since he follows the team. Okay. Uh, how is their offensive line depth? Because I see Ted Karras. Or Karras <laughs> he's oh, pretty yeah. much their backup. Yeah, I mean, like, I know they have a great offensive line coach, and I'm not actually worried about their offensive line because it seems like they have a revolving door of left tackles. But yeah, And Isaiah Wynn's supposed to be good. He was a first-round pick last year. He was hurt. But sure. Uh, but as far as their depth, if some of these guys get hurt, how do you think that that's going to be? Depth-wise, yeah, it's always kind of – I think it's been kind of hard for us in the past. You know, we had um, uh, Adrian Waddle was kind of our guy. He uh, signed with – shoot, I, don't remember who, I don't remember who he signed with now. Um, but he was kind of our guy the last few years where someone went down, like, you know, a guard or tackle, he kind of plug in and uh play um so this year obviously oh bills oh bills okay that's right i I saw his um name on one of the rocks he's on ir though yeah (laughs) okay um (laughs) yes we lost him but as you can see you know ted karras is in three different positions i think he's kind of our utility guy where he's been i'm sure he's being prepped to you know fill in wherever necessary um we have a great o-line coach in um Dante Scarnecchia he's been coaching for I think almost 50 years now so I think I definitely trust that I think our starters are talented enough to get it done I think I trust him if something you know goes wrong uh injury wise to get whoever's up next I think whoever's up next will be because it looks like Skipper and Karras are Skipper's like your swing tackle man Karras is the inside man but I mean that's kind of weird that that most teams have more than two guys in their as their backup position. Yeah. But I mean I guess they're I guess they're really confident in those seven. <laughs> and then everybody else is just kinda there. But Yeah, so we've got a couple of rookies. Um Yadni could you could, I don't know how to say his last name. Yadni could you stay could you stay from uh <laughs> I don't I totally how you say that. that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think he was from uh, West Virginia and I don't even attempt the other guy's name. Uh Froholt from Arkansas. Hajalt Froholt. Yeah, Hajalte. 
that's probably maybe. very wrong. I apologize. But yeah, <laughs> he starts getting some uh, starting reps. I'll have to learn how, how to pronounce that for sure. But um, I think those guys are probably technically backups as well. Um, I know they're rookies, but they'd probably be thrown in there too if we had some injury needs. But um, yeah. finishing out the offense, I think probably the Pats probably have one of the most dynamic running back groups I would say in the league there's not you know one player that's like a superstar like a Zeke Elliott or you know Todd Gurley but I think Michelle is gonna continue being okay I got a a quick question here about Michelle is Michelle gonna be the for sure number one guy because Belichick switches his running back every week is that you think that's still gonna be the case or you think Michelle's gonna get the majority I think Michelle judging by um his workload at the end of last season and in the playoff he had those that huge game versus the uh versus the Chargers I think he's gonna be as close to you know a true starting running back as the Pats have had you know in a while obviously yeah. you know everyone makes like predictions about them. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean it's definitely a hard position traditionally to make uh picks about because Belichick changes things up every week based on the um uh you know game plan but i think he'll get a lot of carries for sure this year and i think it's great because white is james white's almost like another wide receiver yeah a pretty much (laughs) that's pretty much yeah yeah so it's kind of they got a kind of dynamic uh deal going there yeah so so this patriot segment here is really turning kind of into like a Q&A for Nathan here. Yeah. <laughs> just, I'm just asking him questions and seeing what he says. So I'll let Connor, if he's got any any questions uh, about yeah, the Patriots. Well, well, I'm interested, at least on the offense here, I'm interested to see because, in my opinion, you're talking about you think Michelle's going to get a lot of the carries. I think Michelle almost is a defined number one back. Just the way I saw him perform last year, I don't see how you can't feed him the ball. I mean, it's probably the most New England's run the ball in a long time also. Because yeah. normally you think in New England, they're just like Tom Brady dropping back to pass, you know, whatever. But I want, I'm want i interested to see what you think Rex Burkhead's role is going to be in this new offense. Because if Sony Michelle is going to be like the mainly number one guy, and obviously James White is a terrific pass catch, catcher, what do you think Rex Burkhead's role is going to be in the offense? I think Rex Burkhead, um, obviously they rotate their backs, you know, all kinds of different ways, but... I think he's going to carve out a lot of the uh, the goal line and short yardage carries. I know that sounds kind of weird because he's a smaller I hate guy. That for fantasy. Yeah. He's, that's <laughs> definitely where I was getting to. He's going to be frustrating for people in fantasy because, you know, you look back um, at the Chiefs game in the AFC Championship, what really stuck out to me is he's the guy who got the um, the ball on on the goal line to in overtime to get the, the, uh, the game-winning touchdown. So that just kind of shows to me that um, Belichick trusted him over Michelle and all the other guys to put the ball in his hands um, with, you know, really the season on the line right there. So I think he's definitely a guy that will get the ball a lot, um, you know, fourth and ones on the goal line, that type stuff. Probably going to make a lot of Sony Michelle fantasy owners angry with uh, potents and touchdowns this year. But he also has a lot as a receiver. So I don't know, I can kind of see him all over the field. Okay, uh, and then my last question here is going to be the tight 
again question. Oh, yeah, that that question. (laughs) uh, Ben Watson suspended for four games, but even when he comes back, I mean, the man's super old. I'm not sure how fast he is anymore compared to his earlier days. But my question is, okay, so who's going to be their main tight end? And then is that someone fantasy-wise that you think you could rely on just because the Brady tight end thing? Because obviously these names are aren't well known. Yeah, um, I would have to say fantasy wise, I don't think I personally would want to trust. Um, I wouldn't want to have to rely on any of the Pats tight ends this year. I like the Benjamin Watson pickup just because you know he played on the Patriots. He was drafted by the Pats back in '04, so he spent a few years with us and he's familiar with the system and Tom Brady and all that stuff. But he is, like you said, really old. And he's going to be suspended the first four games. So um, I don't know how much he has left in the tank uh, production-wise. And then um, we haven't seen a lot of Matt Lacoste playing uh, you know, for the Pats. He just came in this offseason as did Lance Kendricks. But Lance Kendricks has a little bit more of a track record. Not, not that he was ever a star at any point. But you know, it's definitely got some name recognition there. And I could see him... Um, starting the at least the first four games out. Okay, um, but you wouldn't you wouldn't like it. trust him to. You don't think he's gonna be. You think it's just gonna be like an average tight end sort of thing. You don't think it's gonna. You don't think Brady's gonna like make him a star or anything, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think okay. so. Especially because they have so many more other weapons that they're not gonna rely on the tight end position like they did with Gronk. They're actually gonna so, run the ball. <laughs> yeah, they can run the ball. They can throw their receivers now. So I think if anything, tight end will kind of be their um, you know, kind of forgotten weapon almost. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's definitely some good questions. I spend way too much time, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, re- reading about this team and all that stuff. So I got. I uh, mean, you're. I'm. I'm sure all of us. All, all <laughs> yeah. Whenever we get to the all. north with the Steelers, and then <laughs> yeah, then we get to the south because both the Eric Jags. and Zach are Jags fans. So that's gonna be, be interesting. <laughs> Well, see, also because we we know our South Eric and I have told each other our South rankings and stuff. Nate uh, Nathan might not know. Connor probably knows mine, but we're probably going to have a little bit of a debate too when it comes to that because they are they are different and uh, and that'll be fun to do. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, Eric, y'all don't know, but I'm with Eric on the rankings <laughs> for the South. I'm not with Zach on this one. I'm yeah. with Eric. <laughs> I, I think I think Nathan will be on my side. Just just on the fact that he usually picks the same picks as me in these things, but yeah, uh, it's usually so we'll Eric see. and I, and then you. I'm not going to give. Two. I'm not going to spoil. I'm not going to spoil where where our picks are. But uh, Connor did predict our picks right, even though bef- even before we uh, yeah, told I him, had, I had a gut feeling about yeah. when I. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. But I had a gut feeling that I was like, <laughs> I think I know what Zach's going to do, and I think I know what Eric's going to do. Yeah, as a as a family member or cousin, he. He knew uh, what we were gonna think, but uh, back to the me, east. <laughs> yeah, yeah, back. I'll I'll have this one. Uh, we've got one more Twitter question, Connor. If you have any more questions you want to ask him before the Twitter one, then we'll go to the Jets. Yeah, no, I mean it's pretty. Okay. I think we pretty much covered everything because yeah. I mean we know we know about the defense. I mean, yeah, but it's really all the questions this year are really gonna be on offense. So. <laughs> Okay, so our last Twitter question here comes from the Lucid Podcast, and he's got another Jets question too. But 
His Patriots question is, how many more seasons do you think that the Patriots will keep their dominant reign on the AFC East for? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's, it's tough because with the Patriots this year, I mean, I know Tom Brady's still going strong, but obviously we have seen last year there were some cracks. Like, he threw his highest interception total since, like, 2004, obviously. But, I mean... It's it's just so hard to bet against them, and especially with Belichick. I mean, I, it, it's of my opinion that I think Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. And so the fact that he can just take guys that you've never heard of and make these Super Bowl winning teams, it's like, I don't know how he does it, but he does. And it's really annoying for everybody who's not a Patriots fan. But um, <laughs> he, he videotapes other teams' practices. That's <laughs> uh. But um, so it's... I think it's even after Brady's gone, I think it's going to be as long as Belichick is there, I think they have a chance because, I mean, and the and the other contributing factor here is that when are the other three teams actually going to be good enough to get that division crown? I mean, they just don't seem, I mean, Buffalo and the Jets look like they have might have bright futures, maybe. And then obviously Miami's in the can right now, but... <laughs> Who, but yeah, it's just, it's going to all depend. I think it's as long as Belichick is there, they have a chance to at least do it. I think at least a few more seasons they'll hold on to their reign in the ASC East. I don't see it happening within the next two or three seasons, you know, but maybe after that, who knows? I, I, if the other teams can maybe put it together and build teams, then they could do it, but I don't know. It's, it's yeah. tough to, it's tough to call. As long as Belichick <laughs> is there, even after Brady's gone, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page at this one. I think it's it's almost more so are the other teams going to come and take the division from the Pats, even when um, Brady and Belichick are gone. You know, I give I give Brady probably this year and the next year to be his effective, you know, best quarterback in the NFL type self. And after that, I can see I could realistically see his decline happening. And then who knows how much longer uh, Belichick's going to want to coach um, after that. But even even without those guys, I think they'll leave the team in good hands um, as far as you know their next head coaching and coordinator hires. Um, but I think it's more uh, more the fact you know are the Jets and the Dolphins and the Bills going to stop you know being really you know kind of incompetent you know front office wise and put a team together to catch up to the Pats. So that's kind of, I think, what it more hinges on. Yeah, not so much the Pats, but the other teams, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, I think it could be a few years, at least, at least three years for me. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say two years on this one. I think they've got this one, this season in the bag, but I feel like this is gonna be Brady's last decent season, uh, and then the next season I think is gonna be more up for debate, and. If we, it depends on Darnold and Rosen, which one of those guys, uh, or if those guys can perform to what they are hyped one up. One to Allen be. too. Yeah. Yeah, Allen. Did, I don't. What did I say? You said Rosen. Rosen? Oh, <laughs> I didn't mean to say Rosen. I'm Rosen sorry. I meant, to say, I meant to say Allen. And, uh, you mean Fitzpatrick? <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant to say Allen and, and Darnold. But um, yeah. And then also, I'd be really. I think two is going to be a great quarterback too. But like. This is like a just a prediction thing. It hasn't happened, but if he goes to Miami, I think Flores could be a good coach there, and I think Miami 
could be competing in maybe five years down four or five years down the road. But uh, for the immediate future, I think this season's a telling going to be a like a this season's really going to be telling because the Patriots, you know, if Brady still plays well, then I really don't know when it's going to be. But I expect a little bit of a decline now, and then and then the next season, I think you know it'll be much more wide open. But it's also uh, you know, wishful thinking too. <laughs> but, <laughs> For Zach and I, at least. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's move on to the Jets here. This is who Nate and I have predicted second, and then Connor's got them third. Uh, their team is interesting because they've definitely gotten better. This is one of those teams, kind of like San Francisco. I, if I want to make comparisons, I'm going to compare this team to San Francisco because they did make some pretty big signings and. They have some young players that are exciting on their team to watch. And while I have them second here, I don't have them winning a wild card. I don't think they'll. I think there's too many other good teams in the AFC that are going to fight for wild cards. So I feel like the Jets are going to be second or third out on the wild card list. But really, why I have them over the Bills is their offensive skill position people with. Robbie Anderson, Quincy Inouye, James Crowder, Jameson Crowder as their three wide receivers. That's a it's a solid solid combo. There's no, you know, superstar there, but there's also you you also feel good about all those guys. Their offensive line is pretty weak. That's, you know, they're they're like uh I'd say Buffalo's got a better offensive line, but it's it's a pretty weak offense. But not as line. bad as Miami, though. <laughs> yeah, not still not as bad as Miami. But I mean, Kelvin Beachum as their left tackle. If that's the case, man, they. I really pray for Darnold. <laughs> 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 but uh, hopefully that Chuma Idoga guy can beat him out in camp. That rookie guy, but because Beachum, he's pretty old and. He was a stealer too, so Connor. Yeah, no, he was him. he was meh. For, I think yeah. he actually played right. I think he actually played right tackle when he yeah, was with us because so yeah, he, he was a terrible pass blocker. So I don't know <laughs> why the Jets are trusting him over there on the left tackle position. But and then, our lads might be messing up here on this one or have a wrong prediction. I'd hope, but uh, and then that assembly guy too has been kind of yeah, and the whole Ryan their center's okay, but. He's old. Ryan Khalil's yeah. old. Yeah, he's he's yeah. an old guy, but at least like you know who he is, and so the offensive line is really weak for them. And I know that's going to be a, a a case for Connor's uh, thing when you get when we talk about Bell. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to expect Bell to be like Pittsburgh Bell, but he's definitely going to be better than Bill Powell's been for him. Mm-hmm. And Ty Montgomery is an interesting player to have, kind of like a weapon. And so their offensive positions, you know, I'd say Bell is going to be better than any of those running backs Buffalo has. And then defensively, I feel like their their pass rush is going to be really nice with Leonard Williams and Quinn and Williams got the Williams duo there, <laughs> but not related. <laughs> yeah, not related. But uh, Quinn and Williams is going to be a beast in this league. I I really think he's going to going to be a great nose tackle for him and he can he can rush the passer too at that spot too he, he's not just a run stuffer he he can get sacks and he's pretty, pretty rare for a nose tackle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's one of the he's 
I think Saban said, you know, he's the best guy that he's coached on the D-line in quite some time, and that says a lot coming from Alabama. But in the rest of their defense, too, they've put money in with C.J. Mosley getting that huge contract. And their secondary is really pretty weak, except for Jamal Adams. But Jamal Adams is a, is a star, too. He's He's a very good player. So defensively, they're not great, but I feel like they have the ability to get some big plays with some, you know, that's the thing. Buffalo seems to have more uh, more good starters, whereas the Jets seem to have a couple of stars and potential pro bowlers and stuff, but then they've got some big holes too. So it's really kind of a, players. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a talent disparity. They've got some really talented people, but... Really, the season is going to hinge on Sam Darnold's ability. And I'm not a huge Sam Darnold fan. People really overrate this guy. But (laughs) I felt like coming out, like, I felt he was a better prospect coming out of his junior year at USC. And I think he regressed a little bit his senior season there. So that kind of concerned me. But he was, you know, the Browns were wise to pick Mayfield ahead of him. (laughs) But so people though act like he's the king or something that I don't get it but so I'm not you know as high as most people are on him but I think he'll be better than last year because he was like the youngest quarterback ever to start um so he's only going to get better and the you know like I said this team's not gonna not gonna be competing for the division or by any stretch but I do feel like with the amount of stars that they have that they're gonna finish second but uh ceiling floor i'll give a ceiling of nine wins making a wild card somehow but that's not my prediction and then the floor i'll give them third place with like six wins so i think they're in that seven win spot seven maybe eight for the jets but i'll I'll be curious to hear what you guys think well the jets for me i mean Sam Darnold, yeah, I'm I'm with Zach. I'm not sold on Sam Darnold at all. I mean, I do think he'll be a little bit better, but I I don't know. I mean, he didn't really show. He had flashes of you know good last year, but then he also had flashes of really bad. Yeah. So, yeah. and the the other thing that's going to hold <clears throat> hold the Jets back here at quarterback is that if Sam Darnold were to either get injured or start playing really mediocrely. Their backup is Trevor Simeon, which, you know, he's definitely not a starter. I mean, we saw how he played in Denver. He was pretty mediocre. And, you know, we I don't know. The quarterback's going to be an interesting position for them, especially if Sam Darnold struggles, because Trevor Simeon is not the guy by any stretch of the imagination. So, and then wide receiver-wise, I mean, I, I know Zach likes the trio. I think they're they're okay. They're not uh, – Robbie Anderson is kind of he, – he's another one of those. He has games where he does really good. He's more of a mm-hmm. deep threat, I think, than just a true – you know, he's not He's not going to be – I don't think he's a number one guy. I think Quincy Anunua would have to be the number one guy because I think Robbie Anderson's more of a number two, kind of like a deep threat. And obviously Jamison Crowder's a slot receiver. And then <clears throat> Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I saw him. I was – I was sad to see him go at first, 
you know, when he decided he was going to do his holdout and everything. But after the way he acted, I really wasn't sad to see him go. I mean, him and Antonio Brown both. I'll get to that when we talk about the Raiders. But, you know, I'm kind of glad both of them are gone. They're added their toxic attitudes in the locker room and everything. And yeah, so I think I'm, I'm with Zach. I don't think he'll be as good as he was in Pittsburgh at all. I mean, the offensive line is just it's going to be what takes him down because his running style is he gets the ball and he waits for a hole to open and then he bursts through that hole. And I just don't think those holes are going to be there really ever for him to do Mm -hmm. that. Because I remember I used, I think it was the game against the chargers a few years ago when he got that game winning touchdown, I was praying that they weren't going to hold hand the ball off to him because I was like, please don't hand the ball off to Le'Veon Bell on the goal line because he's not a hard-nosed runner. Like, he's not going to get that one yard if you need it. He somehow got it. I don't know how. I guess the Steelers' offensive line did a good enough job to do that. But, I mean, he it's not the kind of runner he is at all. He's never going to get you the two or three. He's never going to be a goal line back, which means if you need, like, two or one or two yards, you're not going to hand it off to him. You saw that, too, in uh, the playoff game against Jacksonville two years ago, too, right? where where he couldn't convert the fourth and ones. Yeah, so I'm... Yeah, I don't know why they didn't just QB sneak with that. Yeah, that was, that was, there was a lot of questionable coaching yeah, yeah. calls there. That, 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 I don't want to go back to that. Yeah. That was a lot of poor coaching decisions <laughs> in that game by Tomlin and Todd Haley. But, yeah, Le'Veon Bell, I just don't think he's going to – I think this was – we can talk about him right now. With We had a, the question on Twitter, if Zach will go back to yeah. it. Oh, yeah. With, you know, he asked, how big of an impact will Bell have on the Jets – I mean, I don't think it's going to be too big, honestly. I think he's, I think he's going to be underwhelming. I think they're going to expect more from him than he's actually going to put out. I think as a pass catcher, I think he could have an impact. But just as a rusher, I don't think he's going to have a lot of impact at all, because with with the offensive line troubles and the way he runs, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he, I think he's going to kind of be like how Christian McCaffrey was his first year in Carolina where, you know, not terribly good rushing stat. They also had Jonathan Stewart at the time, but not terribly good rushing stats. But I think he'll put up some numbers in the passing game for sure because he is – Le'Veon Bell could play wide receiver if he wanted to. He's that good of a pass catcher. So, But that, that's just my thought on his impact. I think he'll have an impact as a pass catcher, but not as a rusher. I don't see what you guys think. I kind of agree. Um, I kind of have the same idea about – or opinion about Bell. I think pass catching wise, he's gonna make life a lot easier for uh, Sam Darnold because he will be there to get all the dump off passes and screen passes, and he's definitely talented enough to make something, you know, out of those short passes in space, pick up yards after the catch. But as a rusher, I I don't think he's gonna be bad this year per se, but by um, the standards that everyone kind of associates with Bell when he was in Pittsburgh, you know, all the stats he put up there rushing, I think um, he'll have a down year by those standards for sure. So I think impact-wise, he'll definitely be an upgrade over, you know, Bilal Powell and Elijah McGuire, but I don't think we're going to see um, him, like, challenge the, uh, you know, to be the rushing champion or any of that <laughs> oh, type stuff this year. <laughs> yeah I, I like about the bell topic I, I definitely agree with both of you guys but 
I I feel like his pass catching, you know, thing is going to be the difference maker for the team. Like with Darnold, you know, young quarterbacks like to have a safety valve, and he's going to be a pretty good safety valve for him. But as far as you know, running rushing stats go, he's he's not he's definitely going to have to adjust, you know. And then also he missed a whole year too, so you really don't know how that's going to be. But he's an upgrade, and I don't think they overpaid for him because no, he didn't definitely he didn't, get, he didn't get as much as as he wanted and uh so it's i th- i think it's a you know a, a good move for him they had so much cap space to spend uh so i'm not gonna i don't think he's gonna be the reason that he takes uh, you know them over the top of buffalo but he'll contribute i think so yeah i mean you're right that they definitely didn't overpay for him i mean had he not acted like a jerk he would have made a lot more money had he stayed in Mm -hmm. pittsburgh but yeah and taking a year off and especially since he gained weight in the offseason too i mean some reports had him at like 260 so you know eddie lacy style weight here (laughs) (laughs) so and then just just quickly touch on their defense i mean the front yeah the williams pair will be good cj mosley's good but yeah outs and jamal adams but outside of that the defense just does not impress me at all. I mean, I think it's going to uh, I think it's going to be a rough time for them. And one thing that I don't that none of us have mentioned that on any of the teams throughout this episode, but I think kicker Chandler Canton Zero is pretty inconsistent oh as a kicker. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I don't know if they're I think they might have some Chicago style problems with that at the kicker position, you know. That's getting, a liability. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's why I'd give them a ceiling of like eight and eight probably and then and second place missing the playoffs but and then the floor of maybe six wins in third place so not too big of a disparity between six and eight wins i think for the jets yeah. for me yep so uh since connor's back here you know we haven't had a true connor current events section in a little <laughs> while but, uh, but but that's back you know next time eric's back we're gonna make sure to get a rant because it's been a while since we've had an Eric rant, but uh, we're going the, to the AFC West, so he has a rant planned for that. Okay, <laughs> from what I yeah, yeah I think well, I think, I think I we can... all kind of do, but yeah, yeah, I won't spoil yeah. it, but yeah, yeah, okay, but yeah, com- we'll make a so, comment below on what you think it's going to be about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my uh, my laptop here needs some juice, so let me go and grab my charger. But Connor, yeah. you need to start talking about the NASCAR results. Yeah, I mean. Watkins Glen, one of my favorite, I didn't get to watch it, but it's one of my favorite tracks because it's a road course and there's actually right turns, such a, um, such a foreign concept in NASCAR, but right (laughs) turns and another Chase Elliott with the win at Watkins Glen. I was pretty surprised by that. I've never thought of him to be a road course guy. I mean, there's a lot of the really good drivers in NASCAR, like, you know, Jimmy Johnson back when he was winning his championships, Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, they're they're good on every course, even road courses. But then you have these drivers who really there are some drivers who really specialize in them and some drivers that are better than them than others. Like Denny Hamlin's one of the guys. He he's really good on road courses. And probably because he's so good at Martinsville, a really short track. He knows how to do get the braking and the timing right in the tracks. So I was pretty surprised to see Chase Elliott win the race. I mean, judging by his points, it looks like he led most of the laps, and he might have won some of the stages. 
And then the second and third place don't surprise me. Truex and Hamlin are both good on road courses. I got to give another shout out to my boy Matt De Benedetto. Another top Ooh. ten finish for him. So all the teams out there need to take notice of this guy and give him a ride because I'm going to keep advocating for him to get a good piece of equipment underneath him. So give him a ride. Well, uh, yeah, man. and so I just I just plugged in my Chargers going back here. I heard you talking about him how you're a fan uh definitely like i'd say tweet at him or something because actually we had eric tweeted a picture with ronnie harrison with a couple people that he met with and uh surprisingly enough uh he actually retweeted that to his page uh which is pretty cool that's our biggest you know <laughs> you tweet thing but uh but i'm a big fan of, of harrison too and uh, so I, you know, he's not a guy that's like super popular or big right now. So, you know, I, I definitely say like, you know, follow yeah. him on Twitter and, and comment on his post or something, but yeah, that's a good idea. And also one thing I want to mention very quickly also with NASCAR is we're getting close to, I think there are four races left before the chase. There's like the, I think Michigan, the night race at Bristol, Darlington and Indy, and then we're into the chase. So we're getting to the point where there's some of these drivers who are on the cut line, like Jimmy Johnson. And actually, I think Jimmy Johnson would be out. Uh, I don't know if he'd be out of the playoffs right now. It's pretty interesting. I see. I know he had a bit of a weak finish at Watkins Glen, but I'm not. The way the chase works is that if you win, you get a spot as long as you're in the top uh, 30 in points. So I don't think anybody below Jimmy Johnson is one, or like Clint Boyer or any of these guys that are on the cut line right now. But we're getting to the point where all the races really matter and you're going to, you're going to have to get these points and, you know, maybe some guy out of nowhere, maybe Matt DiBenedetto can win a race and clinch a spot in the chase. Who knows? It's the beauty of the new chase system. Unlike the old system where, you know, just because you won, it didn't mean it guaranteed you a spot or anything, but if you can win, then you can get in. So, I, I like that rule. Yeah. No. I like it too. When it also throughout the playoffs, how, you know, they split the playoffs up into, four different rounds but one way that you can guarantee you go on to the next round is if you win so there'll be guys that'll you know be 80 points or whatever out of a spot in the next round but then they'll win the race and that gets them in so it puts a big emphasis on winning which is good mm-hmm. so so now we're going to move on to some tennessee volunteers basketball news that i'll let zach talk about here yeah so uh, I literally just saw this uh, right before we started, and it just got announced before we started our podcast. But uh, Keon Johnson, who's going to be in the class of 2020, so he's not going to play for Tennessee this year, but then the next year he, he'll play as a freshman. He, uh, he was deciding, and I have seen a little bit of news on him before back they had you know, his list kept getting shorter and shorter. Like they'd say he's down the eight teams, now he's down the six teams. But I didn't really follow it or bring it to much attention because I didn't, you know, it's still such a big list. You can't really, you know, hold your hopes on like a Blackshear thing and he's down to just two or three teams. But he uh, he did decide to commit to Tennessee, which is, you know, big news for the team. He's a, He plays a shooting guard position, so he's going to, you know, replace a guy like Jordan Bowden on their team right now who's going to be a senior and graduate after this year. But... Uh, I mean, I, I definitely can't complain or anything. He's a, 
four star number 27 in the class and he was the top ranked guy from Tennessee so it, it's good to see that the Vols are you know holding down their territory of Tennessee with uh, competing with a school like Memphis who traditionally gets the big recruits uh, and it looks like he decided over Ohio State which makes it even better <laughs> that, <laughs> that he uh, <laughs> yeah, so definitely. I know Mark, my friend Mark, won't be happy about that, but uh, but yeah, that that makes it even sweeter too. Does uh, it make up for Kerry Blackshear? <laughs> uh, you know, think, well, here's the thing though: is Blackshear is a a one year player for sure. This guy's got the chance of of playing a couple seasons. So, and then another thing too, I've got on my phone, not not necessarily on the website, but. Uh, it says here that Tennessee has the fifth best class in America for that for the season currently. So, oh wow, you know that's oh. that's a huge uh, <laughs> you know huge shift from the past where they've you know signed lower tier guys and stuff. But since they've had two tournament runs uh, the last two seasons and Rick Barnes committing to Tennessee, signing a, a contract extension there, I think it's really uh, culture change yeah, since from, from football to basketball. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, uh, it's a good news story for Eric and I and Connor too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I, I, I always pull for them cause I know my whole family is from around the Knoxville area. So yeah, it'd be kind of a kind of bad if I didn't. So, and, and plus they're not in the same conferences as your favorite. Right. Right. Yeah. They're, they're so not it's... competing against, uh, UNC and Appalachian state. So mm-hmm. they, you know, I, I I can pull for them, and obviously my mom is a alum of the of the University of Tennessee, so that also <laughs> gives me incentive to yep. pull for them. But yeah, Here, I, I like what yeah, Instagram, <laughs> right? Yeah, but it's really interesting, like you say, you know, a, a culture change because Tennessee forever has been a football school. I mean, we talk, you know, you got these schools that like Kentucky's a basketball school, UNC's a basketball school. Alabama's a football school, but Tennessee had been a football school for a long time. And it's really interesting just to see the shift now to where they're kind of focusing a lot more on men's basketball because they had a great women's basketball team for a long time, but now they're finally starting to make moves in men's basketball. And I know, unfortunately for you and Eric and the rest of our family, their football team is really going downhill. So yeah, <laughs> it's good to see that their their basketball team is kind of making up for that. Yeah. Um, move on to the last topic here. We mentioned it before. The big story in the NFL right now, contract wise, with Ezekiel Elliott, and he's not. He's very. This is mirroring Le'Veon Bell of last year, <laughs> where he's not gonna. He said he won't play without a new contract and. Uh, this is going to be interesting because obviously Ezekiel Elliott, he's still under contract. This isn't like Le'Veon Bell where Bell was just franchise tagged. And, you know, it was, it was a situation like that. We we hear about it all the time with players being tagged and they're not going to play if they get tagged and whatever because they want long-term contracts. But Zeke is still under contract. He's still under his rookie year, his rookie deal. And so, which why he's not making a lot of money right now, but the progression of contracts since running backs don't have a long life in the NFL, you know, they have their rookie contract for four or five years, depending on how good they are. And then there's that fifth year option too, if you're a first round pick, like, like right, right. So, So, and, but then your second contract is supposed to be your big contract. Like, you know, the one where you make all your money and then your third contract is, you know, 
hey, you're kind of you're still around, but you're not a super really too much of a superstar anymore. So it's interesting that he's talking about this right now and not next year when his deal is actually going to be up because he's still under contract. He's still under his rookie deal. So and Jerry Jones, the other interesting part is that Jerry Jones has said that, you know, we don't need Ezekiel Elliott. We don't need to be dealing with all this drama. We can win without him, which I don't know if that's entirely true. (laughs) I mean, if if Zeke Elliott does sit out the whole year, I would have to go back and change my NFC East to picking the Eagles over the Cowboys. (laughs) We talked about this back in the NFC East that none of us think that Dak Prescott can carry the team. So I don't know if they're going to give him a deal or not. I'm interested to see what you guys think if they're going to, if you think they're going to, really commit to giving him a deal or if Jerry Jones is going to stay true to his word and let him sit out and if he'll stay and if he'll stay true to sitting out yeah I think it's a pretty like sticky situation for Zeke because I don't think holding out is a smart move at all just with the way the uh running back market is right now obviously Todd Gurley kind of reset everything with that deal um last offseason but then everyone saw, you know, he got hurt at last year, and now, you know, he might not uh, end up living up to that huge value. I think a lot of these teams now are going to be wary of giving that, you know, it's going to be back to um, before Todd's or before that deal where they're, you know, really wary about giving running backs the kind of money. And I think it's especially hard, you know, he saw the way things played out for um, Le'Veon Bell last year. He thought he had all that leverage to hold out and get a new contract and the Steelers were just fine letting him sit out and and then you know James Conner came and played really great so I think knowing all that um you know taking all that into account I think it was a bad decision for Zeke to sit out because I I don't know the Cowboys are going to be a contender without him but I definitely think I don't think Jerry Jones is too far off I think that you know, they can get by without having him. So, yeah, I'm really interested to follow this more and see what happens. Same I, thing with, uh, yeah. um, what's his name? Uh, Melvin Gordon. And yeah, Trey. Yeah, that, yeah we'll, we'll get to that. We're getting yeah. AFC West next, next episode. Yeah. Um, I, this is an interesting thing because he wants more than Todd Gurley made. But reading here that they're offering him more like Le'Veon Bell money, which... He's not going to accept. It seems like it seems like you know he he wants to get the most money. He wants you know that's the thing when you're these guys like you might not necessarily be the best player at that position, but when your contract's up and you're a free agent, like you're going to sign the high you know the newest deal, the highest offer. But the thing is, is that the Cowboys have all the leverage here, kind of like Jalen Ramsey. Like they he's under contract for two more years, so. Uh, I don't think Zeke will hold out. I, that's my gut. But I mean, shoot, I didn't think Le'Veon Bell was going to hold out either. Uh, the <laughs> that's whole why season. you picked him in fantasy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I was screwed over by that. So I'm definitely not going to play any. You know, I'm not going to, you know, risk my chances and lose out on a first round pick again in fantasy. But um, it's it's you know this is just descent for the Cowboys and. Uh, and the Cowboys also, I know Jerry Jones tends to reward guys that go to camp 
And since Zeke's been holding out, I feel like now their focus is going to be on Payne, Prescott, and Amari Cooper. And, you know, it, it'd be interesting if he gets traded now. Nobody, I, don't, I haven't heard any talk about that, but uh, it just seems like these two... I don't two think anybody would give up enough for him. Yeah. Right. But if somebody, you know, has a lot of money and needs a running back, I could see it, but I just don't know what team that would be. Um, yeah. So it's it's really going to be up to Zeke. He knows, you know, he's got the power to show up, and he's going to be losing out on a lot of money uh, if he doesn't get all these fines accumulated. And, and he's still on his rookie deal, which is, you know, not, not a whole lot. So if I were him, you know, I would – as a running back, I would try and get that lady on bell money. Guarant- you know, make sure it's a lot of guaranteed because that's the thing is it's not like the NBA contracts, which are all fully guaranteed. Like these, the, the guaranteed money is really where it's at in these NFL contracts. But uh, we'll know more as time goes on with this thing. This is just kind of a developing story. But with that being said, guys, we'll wrap this podcast up here now and Thank you to everybody listening. Thank you to Lucid Podcast and to Sport World Order for coming up with these questions. I know we just posted this morning, the question thread, so we didn't get a whole lot of feedback on it. But next time, we'll be sure to put it out earlier. And we we really appreciate you guys uh, asking these questions. And for the Steelers one, you know, we'll kind of, when we get to the AFC North, we'll put that as a, like how the Patriots were like a Q&A thing. We'll ask Connor questions. And then the Jaguars one will be a fun one too. When we talk about the South, Eric and I will have a little debate going on. <laughs> so then <laughs> the West is going to be really fun to talk about. So stay tuned. We've got some good episodes lined up for you guys. And we got the least competitive division out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, probably, this is the least, uh, least competitive, most least interesting one. So Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you took something away from this and catch you guys next time. See you guys. See ya. I'll do Eric's peace. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>